Many other signs also Jesus worked in the sight of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. When John tells us these things, immediately there arises within my heart a curiosity. What else happened? What other things took place that are not recorded in this book? Uh, why weren't they recorded? I mean, certainly we could have had John's Gospel, but why not have a John's Gospel extended edition where you include twice the stories, twice the amount of words our Lord said? Why not? One can look at things and, and see, well, maybe one could have it from a theological perspective. Maybe one is invited to be more like, uh, more like Thomas, who, who has to see in order to believe. Uh, maybe we ought to, uh, to strip away some of the stories so as to, to call us to a greater faith, to have faith in hearing the things that we hear, but, but calling us to, to go the further step rather than having an abundance of evidence, uh, although there is arguably that. Uh, right? So one could say that, that maybe it's just simply an invitation to faith. One could say it's probably just repetitive. If one person being raised up from the dead doesn't do it for you, why would three or four? If hearing about one person who was, who was blind or deaf or lame or mute or had a demon within them and they were healed from it, if of hearing that four, five, or six times in the gospel as we do throughout the, the four gospels, why would we, why, you know, if that doesn't, again, if that doesn't touch us, then why would having it 10 or 12, 14, 15 times? Someone could say maybe the repetitive nature is just simply part of the thing. As many of the things were simply there, and, uh, you know, what does it matter if we say it again? But it seems also that it could be a merely practical thing to be able to, to write down the things that were being spoken, that you literally had to write them down, that John's gospel wasn't, wasn't just kind of printed up in a nice little, a nice little binder uh, to be able to, to send out uh, elsewhere. And so the apostles, having this, this kind of um, this, this fervency to be able to go out and share the good news, wanted to do so as quickly as possible. And so it does kind of make sense, even just from a practical perspective, to be able to keep the gospel to a, a certain length, not to, not to duplicate unnecessarily, uh, so as to be able to record the thing, to duplicate the entire text more, more quickly, uh, with greater haste, to be able to, to send it out and to share it with others. These things, of course, make sense. And in the end, only John knows why John didn't include the rest of the stories. And maybe when we get to the pearly gates, we'll be able to ask him and get a little, a little of his thoughts on things. But the greater thing that I think people often wrestle with is, why do we not have the miracles that we have? Even if we don't have the accounts, fine and good. But what about the miracles themselves? And they were eating from the apostles the Acts of the Apostles, we hear that even right there in the, in the early church, there were these, these marvelous things that took place. How do we hear that, that the, the, uh, the cloak of, of Paul was used to be prayed with and people would find healing? That Peter would walk down the street and they would, people would come and bring their, their, their sick and lay them on the sidewalks that the, the shadow of Peter might pass over them and some might be healed. Why don't we have people lining up at the front doors of the church and all the sidewalks of the chancery so that when Bishop Duca walks down the sidewalk, people, will, people are just clamoring to get to his shadow, he who is just as much a successor of the apostles as the other. Why don't we see these things these days? One could again say that perhaps it is an invitation for us to have greater faith. 
not to be able to see things for ourselves. I think the reality, though, is that these miracles do still take place, just not as frequently as we might like, not as dramatically as we might anticipate, as we see here in the Gospels, continually recounted throughout the four of them. But again, I don't know that that always is the most satisfying answer. It's not as if the Lord loves us less or, you know, that, he, that, that we are a, a, a generation who has much greater faith than our ancestors. It could, arguably, it could be argued quite the opposite. So why is it that we don't see these wondrous miracles in such abundance as that we see them in the Gospels? My suggestion to you is that the reason that we don't see them as frequently or in their great fervency and show, is that the marvels, the miracles, the signs, were intended to be the thing that pointed to the Christ. In the prophets, throughout the Old Testament, it was, it was all of these things that were indicated, these are the markers that the Christ has come. These are the signs that he is here. We hear this even from our Lord himself. Whenever the disciples of John, in the early part of the the gospel, whenever the disciples of John go to our blessed Lord and say, are you the one we've been waiting for or should we look for another? Our Lord tells them, tell John what you see. What do you see, right? Marvels. The dead are raised, the sick are healed, the lame walk, the deaf are able to hear, the mute able to speak, the blind able to see. These were all of the things that were indicated as the the, the markers of the coming of the Christ. The signs were the trademark of his presence. It does not mean, then, that they will always remain with us as such. In fact, from the gospel today, we can understand that it is not signs and symbols that our Lord comes to give us as the most important piece, but rather his mercy. When our Lord comes to the apostles... The first thing, on the day, the first day of the week, on Easter Sunday, that evening, it comes to them, stands in their midst and says, peace be to you. Peace be to you. And then from this, he doesn't begin to talk about the things of his passion. He doesn't recount what has happened. He doesn't chastise them for abandoning him. He doesn't say anything. The thing that he says is the clear and certain point of this is the mission. The mission is fulfilled here. Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them. And whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. Throughout the gospel, the healings that took place on several accounts were healings that took place in the flesh so as to point towards the greater healing of the Spirit. We can consider also the the man who was lame, who was lowered down through the ceiling by his friends. That the first, the Lord says, I forgive you of your sins. You are forgiven of your sins. And then people are objecting to this. And he says, well, which is easier to say, right? I forgive you of your sins or rise and walk. But that you may believe, rise and walk. And the man does. The most important piece, however, is what the Lord does first. He heals the man of his sins. He heals his soul. Thus, it should come as no surprise to us that as marvels might seem to decrease in number, although they still do happen from time to time according to God's good will and God's good pleasure, the most important thing that has come to take place as the norm that we see in the church 
is the gift of his mercy in the sacrament of confession. This is what our Lord desires. Not signs and symbols, which easily distract us and simply kind of lead us down rabbit holes where we become consumed with, with the external things of the faith. But rather, he invites us to that which is most important. The thing that has separated us from God is our sins. The thing that reunites us with God is his mercy. He calls us to receive his mercy. The devil hates the confessional. The devil seeks to divide. He seeks to steal peace. He seeks to be able to steal grace, to be able to plant wickedness within our minds and our hearts, and to keep us from others, from God, and to disintegrate our own selves. The exact opposite is what takes place in the confessional. Division is healed. Peace is restored. Sin is cast out. There is a reintegration of the individual with self, with others, and most importantly, with our God. There is a joining together of that which had been divided. The devil hates the confessional. And as such, we ought to love it. The evil one prowls around seeking like a lion whom he can destroy. But we have a place of safety. It's behind the simple curtain of the confessional. The confessional we can think of as really simply the place of the sacred heart of Jesus. In the Anima Christi, a prayer often prayed after receiving Holy Communion. The Anima Christi is a prayer that, that says, within your wounds, hide me. Within your wounds, hide me. As we enter into the confessional, we can think of it as entering into the wounds of the sacred heart of Jesus, that heart that was pierced for us, that was opened up for us, so that blood and water, the signs of the church's sacraments, would pour forth there in abundance. As we enter in, there we can find safety in the wounds of our Lord's heart. There we can be cleansed in his precious blood. There we can be strengthened by the grace of the sacraments and be able to experience that peace that comes from only being able to find refuge in him. It's the confessional that Satan hates. It's the confessional that we should love because it is the sacred heart. It is the encounter with the mercy that pours forth from his heart. It is an encounter with the love of the Father that allows his Son to be pierced for us so as to allow that mercy to pour forth in abundance. May God grant us the grace today to rejoice in his mercy, to be filled with joy and gratitude that all that the Lord has done in the past for the forgiveness of our sins, many though they may be, and to rejoice that he continues his mission today, every time we pass through that curtain, to receive his grace.